Hello listeners and welcome to the MontelPod Extra, bringing you the latest energy market developments in these mind-blowing COVID-19 times. I'm Richard Sverson and joining me today is Björnar Tornhaugen from Ristar Energy. A warm welcome to you Björnar. Thank you very much, Richard. How are you coping in these times? Not too bad. I uh, cannot complain, as you say. I have a lot to do at work and we are healthy. So um, it's interesting times. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure many people are very keen to get your analysis on what's happening out there in these very, very unprecedented and volatile times. But let me start off by talking about the, the current market dynamics. Um, oil producers have pledged to cut output by around 10 to 20% of global supply yet prices are struggling to stay above US uh, it's up 30 30 dollars a barrel so which is about half of their value from mid february so what's going on here Bjorn? well there is some optimism uh, going on right now actually when it comes to um, the rebalancing of um, supply and demand in the oil market so as you correctly say supply is now being reduced finally at least come down to a level where it is much closer to meeting the current demand for oil. Uh, So that is essentially, let's say, the symbiosis now ongoing in the market. Are we now already in the middle of May in a situation where demand is a bit higher and supply is low enough so we are not or no longer at least accumulating oil into inventories. When is that, let's say, point in time? Is it already behind us? Is it here and now? Or is it another couple of months ahead? What's your view here? um, (laughs) It's a bit difficult to know for sure. But um, our latest assessment of demand clearly suggests by our you know day by day coverage actually of both traffic data and um, air travel number of flights indicating that demand is higher already than it was during the beginning of april when we believe it actually um, bottomed while supply is being reduced quite much now especially into may as the OPEC plus cuts have started to take effect. So especially when it comes to um, observed um, exports of crude oil from especially the Middle East and these um, OPEC plus countries. So I think to conclude, we are not yet there when it comes to uh, stopping the crude oil storage building, but we might actually be there already in June middle of June. And that is what I think we are seeing now in the prices in the market for especially these futures prices for um, near-term delivery or settlement of Brent, that the market is anticipating that the worst is behind us and we are rebalancing into the summer. I mean, how long do you expect these OPEC plus cuts to, to last for? You know, end of year into next year, into 2022? Well, according to what they actually signed on uh, during Easter, they need to be in place until April 2022. And that is a very long time. It's a very long time to um, sign on to agreeing on such a deep reduction in your country's um, export revenue, essentially, that we don't think necessarily the current OPEC agreement in its current form will be the same throughout that period, but instead be renegotiated at a later point in time, 
maybe already in December when OPEC has its normal ordinary meeting again, but not already in June when the first immediate meeting is supposed to be held. So OPEC cuts to guide a uh, oil price recovery need to remain in place at least through 2020 uh, and potentially also into 2021, but not necessarily in its current form through April 2022, because then I think demand for oil uh, will have recovered. Which producers or which countries do you think um, will suffer the most in the coming months or next year? Yeah, it is now very clearly United States smaller ENP operators that are taking a deep hit. The oversupply situation that we are now, let's say, gradually exiting in the United States is still there and is forcing... Uh, not only uh, are the companies, uh, you know, slashing their activity in terms of new drilling, uh, new completions of shale wells, but they also are forced to curtail or shut in uh, already producing wells to help the rebalancing in the market. They are not doing it to help the rebalancing of the market per se. They are doing it because there is not enough demand for the oil they are producing, and uh, they cannot store all the oil uh, locally where they are producing it. So they are forced to do that. And then they are taking, of course, a very deep hit on second quarter earnings uh, with a double hit, both lower production and very low prices. Canadian oil sands producers are taking a similar very deep hit. So they are cutting production. You can call it voluntarily, but uh, it's not... Uh, really, it's involuntary because of low demand and also very, very low Canadian oil prices for the uh, oil sands production. While North Sea producers, for instance, are still in a better position, Norway has uh, agreed upon this additional cut, mandated cut, to uh, at least uh, adhere to the G20 agreement. But besides that, Norway is kind of still quite well off when it comes to the the impact. Also because oil prices in the North Sea have been faring quite well, relatively speaking, in the oil market. Now, when you look at various oil prices, how much they have declined, they have not declined as much uh, as they have done elsewhere in the North Sea. Absolutely. So, I mean, Bjorn, you know, demand will be key here. So, and, and the kind of recovery in previous pods on, on the Daily Extra here, we've talked about, you know, the, the massive reductions in international air travel, people are going to commute far less work from home. So, so where's demand coming from? Are we going to come back to 100 million barrels a day or is that just a pipe dream away? We are coming back to 100 million barrels a day, we believe. Mm-hmm. However, we need to wait a while until we get there. We believe we will get back to another peak. So let's say higher than we have seen before oil demand levels, but not until 2022. Okay. So in 2022, oil demand will be higher, we believe, than in 2019, which was you know the previous all-time high. So Mm. above 100 million barrels a day in 2022. In the meantime, that recovery, of course, hinges upon that the global economy uh, is allowed to start to recover from the COVID-19 lockdown measures. Those are now gradually being lifted in countries where the governments are deciding that it is uh, safe enough to start doing that. But with a risk, of course, that if we start 
up again and loosen up these restrictions too soon, there is a risk of a second wave and another round of lockdown measures. That, of course, in that scenario, oil demand can take another you know, leg down when that potentially happens. But if that doesn't happen, we believe the bottom in oil demand is behind us. And then also next year, oil demand will be much, much higher than we see now, but still only on par with uh, 2019 uh, towards the end of of next year. So it will take time, this recovery, uh, but it will be fast forwarded by the loosening up of restrictions so that people uh, are allowed uh, movement again. You see more commuting. But on jet fuel, on air travel, we definitely expect a lasting impact. And potentially at the expense of higher driving, especially when it comes to leisure uh, in the next couple of years, uh, where people might choose to take their vacation at home, uh, which could lead to some higher road travel demand rather than jet fuel demand from from flights. Final question, Albjörnard. We're in Norway, so I think I just want to ask you about a kind of quite a controversial topic in Norway at the moment and the negative publicity that's been attracted to, you know, Equinor and its $20 billion write-down in U.S. activities. I just want to ask you, how do you think this will impact the company going forward, in particular in kind of in international activities and maybe government uh, interference in, in the firm? Equinor has, um, you know, many pillars to stand on. And it is no surprise that the U.S. activity base needed to see some sort of a a write down given the collapse in the activity over there and the extent of the uh, downturn essentially in the U.S. uh, land uh, market. But I think Equinor uh, has a very uh, solid uh, management and strategy and will guide its value creation in the right way going forward, thinking several thoughts in their head at the same time about the energy transition, but not, of course, disregarding the recovery that will also come in oil demand, uh, inevitably, in our view, uh, as we essentially have no way of quickly substituting away from oil but it would only happen gradually. So Equinor is probably in a good sp- spot globally here. Björn, thank you very much for joining the, the Montel Extra Pod today. My pleasure. Well, listeners, that's all for today. Remember to tune in every day at 5 o'clock CET on covid19.montelnews.com via the Montel website and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please remember to tune into the Montel Weekly as well every Friday, where we'll be bringing you all the relevant energy market news and updates. Thank you. Bye.